first thing I do, I go out and I grab my Sun Times off the uh, driveway every morning. I look at the columnist first, and I go to the op-eds. And today I said, I recognize this guy's name, Jeffrey Leving. If you uh, watch television, you listen to the radio, you know Jeffrey Leving. And he wrote, uh, the state gaming board will be looking at logistics and security plans, but they should also look at how Bally's will ensure that more people, especially poor people, do not become addicted to gambling. Before we get a Chicago casino, let's protect families from gambling addiction. Jeffrey, welcome back to Double Dallas. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and it's uh, great to uh, be talking to you again. It's been a while since we've uh, had a conversation. I thought you made a lot of good points here. I guess my first question is, look, there's gambling everywhere nowadays, online, over the state line, north of the state line, uh, you know, in the suburbs. Why now? Isn't the cat already out of the bag? Isn't it a little late for this message? It's never too late for a message that could protect at-risk children, at-risk families, and people that are living in poverty. Nearly 383,000 people in Illinois have a gambling problem. 10% have either considered or attempted suicide. More than half have said gambling led them to neglecting their family and kids. And problem gamblers are disproportionately poor. And Chicago has a lot of poor people living in it. I know we already have 10 casinos in Illinois plus more in Indiana and 20 other states, and we have video poker and bars and sports wagering. Uh, But the key here is I'm a Chicagoan. I love Chicago. There's a lot of poor people, a lot of at-risk children, and this casino puts gambling on the doorstep of vulnerable citizens who could soon be able to gamble away their paychecks, lose the ability to pay child support, and this could result in domestic violence, psychological impacts on their children. This is very, very concerning to me. Yeah, we all, we, all know, we all know people that battle addictions, whether it's drugs and alcohol or what have you. Uh, for those, and I know a man that I've golfed with regularly tells me that for years he was addicted to gambling, sports gambling uh, specifically. It was a real problem for him. That being said, where does the responsibility lie? Let's set the victim aside for right now, the gambler, who has to tamp down on this, the city or Bally's? What kind of mechanisms can be put in place in your mind? I think both should have an obligation. Now, Illinois casinos have a voluntary self-exclusion program, and problem gamblers can put themselves on this list. So if they're tempted in a weak moment to blow their paycheck away, they won't be allowed in. Everyone with a gambling problem should sign up. But here's the reality. What's the likelihood gamblers who are addicted to gambling are going to report themselves in a voluntary program so if they try and get into a casino, they can't get in? So I I think it's a great idea, but it's a voluntary self-exclusion program, and I think it's not going to work for everybody. And... uh, Anything else the gaming board and our civic and political leaders can think of, I'd like to hear about it because this is, this is a big problem, a very big problem, and problem gamblers are disproportionately poor. And there's a lot yeah. of them that live in Chicago. Okay, so let's dial down on that. So let's set aside the argument that we could go out to uh, a Rosemont or I guess Des Plaines. We go any number of places to, to gamble, even online. 
What would you urge the mayor to do now, tapping the brakes on this casino before Bally's even opens, even the temporary Bally's, which may or may not be at the Masonic Temple? I think this is going to happen no matter what, uh, but I think uh, the mayor uh, could create a non-voluntary self-exclusion program where gamblers who are addicted are are not allowed in, and it's not based on whether they self-report. And I'm not criticizing the mayor. I, I know the mayor is working very hard, uh, and uh, there's a lot of problems here. But bringing in a casino in Chicago, uh, I, I, I don't see the value. I see the financial value possibly, but there's so many poor people in Chicago, and I think this could cripple a lot of a lot of their yeah. families. And I, I concur. It really, it's disproportionately bad for the families and especially the kids. But let's go back to that idea and dial down on that. Once you get on that list, number one, I don't know who uh, has the authority to put, let's say John Howell lost uh, too much money this last football season or what have you, and uh, somebody decides to put me on the exclusion list for the new Bally's Casino in downtown Chicago. Once on that list, how do I get off that list and who determines who's placed on or taken off the list. That's a, a sticky wicket, isn't it, Jeffrey? Yeah, I, I know it's very difficult. There, there could be an administrative procedure for anyone who's on the list to seek to be removed from it just by pre- presenting evidence that uh, the, the, the gambling problem is under control. And they could present uh, you know, uh, an expert witnesses, mental health professional, but I know it's very difficult because if you do that, it would have to be very private because this is the addiction issues really need to remain private, but they can't be ignored, and people that have addictions need to be protected, and their families need to be protected. I mean, right now there's an estimated 2.5 million children in the U.S. affected by a parent's gambling addiction. You know, Jeffrey, I think you come to this with a unique perspective. Let's just move the conversation here. How many fathers in your career have been falsely accused by, you know, going through a difficult divorce or what have you by, you know, the parent, the other parent of their child or what have you, where once accused, where do they go to get the reputation back? I just don't know how you can be proactive to say, oh, you can't gamble because we just think you have a problem with it. Even if it's been documented, you know, the old saying is gamblers are going to gamble, drinkers are going to drink. Druggies are going to drug. I mean, at some point, the individuals are responsible for their own actions with all due respect and all sympathy to the children. Well, I believe everybody should be responsible for their own actions, but there are certain people uh, that may not be capable because of the psychological problems that, that often can be overcome. For instance, in the judicial system, in a divorce case, a paternity case, those proceedings are not private. So in a situation like that, when a father is falsely accused of domestic violence or falsely accused of of, of, of drug addiction or falsely accused of gambling, that's often a public record. There are ways to try and keep it confidential, but it's very hard to do that. I've done it successfully a few times. I represented an FBI agent where I was able to keep his file very confidential, but generally these files are not confidential and anybody can see it. But if we're talking about... Uh, an exclusion program uh, uh, for uh, problem gamblers, that there could be a way to keep it confidential so it's not open to the public the way a divorce proceeding would be. Yeah. 
Well, here's a, a collective security versus individual rights to privacy. That you know, that's where the rubber meets the road over and over on a variety of topics. It's a big problem. It's a big, big problem. It's like red flag laws, like the you know the gun laws that we discuss. It seems like every day now the red flag laws. Well, once you're on that list, you falsely accused, perhaps. How do you get your name off that list? How do you get your rights back? Your privacy. Yeah, privacy rights are a reality, and I'm very concerned about privacy rights. And we have to weigh privacy rights versus protecting children and families and the, and the future of our of our of our society. But I'm a big supporter of privacy rights. But we have to evaluate this and determine when privacy rights uh, can't always be protected, and often they can't be in divorce and paternity courts. Jeffrey, nice catching up with you, sir. I'm sure we'll talk again, and have a terrific evening. Thank you. You too, and great talking to you. Jeffrey Loving, founder and president of the Law Offices of Jeffrey Loving, advocate for the rights of fathers. You can read in the Sun-Times his op-ed on the need to protect families from gambling addictions before we open the Chicago casino.